Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, Otterites, this is episode 166. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Guys, guess what? So, Hoopajoobs, uh, if you're new to the uh, audience... Welcome. Uh, yep, it's fifth Friday of the month. And on those months that uh, we have a fifth Friday, we do Anything Goes. We call them Hoopajoobs because if the aliens come and, and probe you, they put a big metal hoopajoob up your butt. We've not spoken of the origins of that in a while, so you're right. That's right. It was, it was time to brief a it's, little bit it's on, right. uh, yeah, on so Chef. Or, or, or without briefs, actually. Yes, it'd be even worse, worse if the briefs were still on. Oh, absolutely. Yes, Cartman gets an anal probe. What's yeah, an anal probe? That's where the aliens put a big metal hoopajoob up your butt. Their first episode, South Park first yeah. episode, actually. Really? And yeah, I did not realize that was that their first, first, first. first episode. And, yes, and that's 20 years ago now. Absolutely. So, yeah. Is that um, crazy or what? Yes. Yeah, so, South Park is 20 years old. That's right. Makes us feel even older. Yeah. But, hey, you're as old as you feel. Whatever well, you felt like. about 60 for about 20 years. So. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Hoopajoob time. Hoopajoob. So, this episode, uh, this Hoopajoob, we decided to take on this topic that we have blogged about. Yeah. Uh, to some degree. Uh, all three of us contributed blog posts about. Who would you invite to dinner? And very arbitrarily, old Martin here is going to put the rule on that it has to be someone currently above ground. Yes. So Hemingway, PJ uh, are out, and it has to be someone out there right now. That you really could as, as of this episode that you really could have dinner with. Mm -hmm. One person with all of us. They bring their significant other, we bring ours, sit at the table, and who knows what that looks like. Yes. We're going to talk about that. Yes. So, and, and, you know, if you wanted to imagine it as a bigger table and lots of people around or, you know, a party and everybody's getting uh, pulled pork yeah. barbecue off the buffet line and And, you know, really, it out. could be a party because, uh, you know, That'd for me, the, the whole point about not having everybody together was just so that you can get a more concentrated version of the conversation. Because yes. to me, the whole point about the dinner party is the conversation. The conversation. That's right. The exactly. Conversation. With, with yes. the, the guy so, or the lady. So if it's a, over a longer period, then it's an entire weekend where we rent out some chalet in the Alps and fly everybody there. Yeah. I'm yeah. liking that. I like liking that. that. Yes, that's right. Because, yeah. you know, with the vast empire that we are building, we'll, yes. we'll be able yeah. to afford that. Yeah. So we're having multiple dinners over a weekend. And, yeah, so and I mean, if, and if we can't make it to the Alps, I'll settle for Gatlinburg. That works. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not sure all of our guests would, would, would come to Gatlinburg, but maybe they would. Well, I'm not sure all of them would go to the Alps. Either, so. <laughs> well, that's right. I mean, we could do that. Uh, uh, we, you know, we could go to the Bahamas. You know, hey, come oh, on. Oh, yes, that's beach right. party. Aruba or wherever. wherever Aruba, is. yes, yes. So, right. so other than that, that one rule mm -hmm. of it has to be somebody who's currently extant. Yeah. Make it whatever you want it to Above be. room temperature. Yes. That's correct. Yes. Not looking at the roots of the grass. So, Francis, I would like for you to start. Oh, my gosh. You're going to start with me in, in interesting. Captain's well, prerogative. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, I'm... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna steal from my blog post because I think there's some some value to working from that. But the guy I really want to meet, and I'll say there's lots of guys and ladies that we want oh, to yeah. meet, of course. Yeah. But the guy I would really love, and he is a notorious introvert. He'll tell you this. He's yes. not a social guy at all. Yes. So, but he's been known with people he knows to do this. 
I'd love to sit down with Joe Straczynski, J. Michael Straczynski, the writer, the author, uh, the creator of Babylon 5. Uh, follow him on Twitter. And lots and lots and lots of other stuff. That's exactly right. That's just... that's. To me, that's where I learned him. That's where yeah. I knew him. But he's a comic book creator. He, he wrote well. one of the best runs on Spider-Man ever. He, he, of course, well, he you know, that. that's... A lot of people will disagree with that. I understand that. I'm speaking from Straczynski's voice. He thinks it was it was one of the greatest ever. Uh, and no ego there. <laughs> actually, no, not so much. He he can he can lay out why he thought what why he did what he did. He thought was good. And see, that's the discussion of the dinner party. You know, when we're when we're sitting with Joe Straczynski, we'll talk Babylon Five, of course, but we'll also talk, uh, which supposedly is coming back in 2023 on the CW. Uh, that's that's. Uh, Hopefully, uh, in early of 2023, they'll go into pilot phase. They've been given the order to do that. And hopefully picked up as a series uh, in fall of 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a, a redo, a reimagining is the word I like to use for mm-hmm. that. Because it's not beholden to any previous continuity. It's just taking ideas, concepts, characters, whatever, and telling a new story with them. Because Straczynski has been very clear. He says, why in the world would I want to tell the same story over again? Yeah, and of right. course he's exactly right. Uh, right, it's one thing to watch the same thing or reread the same book, mm-hmm. but as a creator, why, why, why would you? Do why? That? Although I did notice before he died, the the late great Neil Adams. Yeah, one of the things he would do at conventions, he would do these baseball card size uh, sketches uh, uh-huh. that you can get uh, the the blue line paper that looks like little comic pages, and he would do headshots of Batman or some of his other famous characters. The exact same thing. I mean, he'd whip them out in just a couple of minutes and charge $100 for them. Yeah, because he was Neil Adams. Well, he was Neil Adams, and Neil Adams was not above making a buck. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's his... And there's nothing wrong with that's it. That's his talent. That's what but he's worked that's, on. it was one of the few times when you would see a creator revisit and do the same thing again and again. So, what else about Straczynski, man? Oh, he is... What, what would you ask him? What would, oh, you what would we ask him? What would you want to talk says, about? I, I, I've read his uh, recent autobiography, Becoming Superman. There you go. I would talk to him a little bit about, and and not to spoil all that, I would invite you to go out and find it and read it because it's well worth your time because it's not just a story of a guy becoming a writer in Hollywood. It is that. It's also the story of a nerd uh, making good on the imagination that he's had that's also that. Yeah, he's one of the most imaginative guys working in these fields. That's it's correct. Really something. But Babylon Five was really different from everything. That's else. right, and it should never have been able to have been greenlighted. But he, Faith manages, yeah. as it says in the series, he was able to make that happen and take the space opera in a totally different way. We've talked a lot about yes. that whole episode on it, but how that's different. But one of the things that he that is not well known until he wrote his autobiography, he has a traumatic backstory. Uh, he had a abusive father. Uh, he had a tremendously awful childhood. Uh, that it was the poorest of the poor. They went from place to place around the country with his father trying to escape creditors. Uh, it was it was horrific. Uh, he admits totally that the his the, the book is biased to that. Because the venom that he has and the anger that he has towards his parents, both, but mostly his father, is pretty awful. And yet, he is not only able to survive that, because even a portion of what he says is true, he should have never succeeded in the world. 
He had too many yeah. issues. He to break into anything would have been almost impossible. And yet, because of his talent, perseverance, a little bit of luck, but mostly talent, talent and commitment. I mean, and he believed that's correct. in Those what two, he was doing. That's exactly what he, he was really did. Damn good at it too. Yeah. But he honed his craft, like we've talked about. It's yeah. one of the things we love. Honed his craft through enormous. Uh, difficulties and uh, pers- uh, persevered through uh, all sorts of problems to become truly, I think, one of the greatest screenwriters out there, television showrunners. Uh, I admit I'm a little biased because I followed him all along. Uh, he's written novels in recent days, uh, one of which was become, uh, Becoming a Writer and Staying a Writer. Uh, I've read it multiple times because he's really good about not just screenwriting, but writing in general, saying, how do you do this well? How do you get it where somebody's going to care? Somebody's yeah. going to buy it. Somebody's going to want it. Somebody's going to, you know, validate what you've done. How do you do it where you're not just a hack, yeah. but you're actually a writer? Yeah. And uh, just to hear him tell those so stories. The idea behind writing is to entertain others or to inform others. What's right? And, well, and uh, Don Henley once said something which I thought was brilliant as a lyricist, which he's certainly one of the most well-known and uh, most revered in many ways in recent years, every act of writing is a leap of faith at its core. Yeah. It's a leap of faith that what you believe to be good, true, and worthy, a great number of many other people in the world also oh, believe. We'll, we'll find it and I've never yeah. forgotten that. And it's yeah. exactly so true. And that's one of the things that Shushinsky brings forth so very well, is that you can do this. Uh, let let your love flow, as the Bellamy brothers once said, and let your creativity flow, and come up with something that people will want. Interesting. Uh, how do you do that well? Joe Joe knows. Joe knows. Trust me, he knows. So uh, he's, he's. So that he's, would, yeah, that that would make a pretty tremendous dinner, I think. Absolutely, because he's he's been there. He's seen it. He's fought those battles, and I mean. Uh, his uh, his movie Changeling with Angelina Jolie he was a screenwriter of that mm-hmm. I mean that, that was Oscar nominated yeah so you know yep. it's, that's uh, his his series of Sense 8 on uh, I believe it's on Netflix I don't remember if those ones that financed it uh, was also the same type of a thing where he's he's not done just Babylon 5 that's just kind of the door that I walk through he's done many many other things and he still continues to be a force in Hollywood uh, even though he said he got the reputation early on for being somebody that was difficult, because there were certain things he wouldn't compromise on, uh, he even he let he wrote for uh, He Man, The Masters of the Universe, and She Ra back when we were in college. He did animation for a long time. He left there because he wouldn't compromise something. He went to work on the real Ghostbusters, wrote uh, wrote for them. Uh, when he left there because of principle, he said, "You'll never work in animation again." And he says proudly, "I never have because I've never had to." He's gone on. Yeah. He wrote for Murder, She Wrote, uh, which uh, for a long, long time, of course, he did Babylon 5 and many other things on that. Uh, I don't want to steal all of his thunder, but... Uh, well, um, it's not like got, we're going to be broadcasting the actual dinner, so... Oh, that, that, that's true. That's <laughs> Don't we wish, though, wouldn't we? Joe, come on. We'll furnish the honestly, bourbon, we'll furnish the cigars, and anything you want to eat. But you know what? Honestly, come, come that's one of the flaws of, of our concept here. Yeah. Is that... Would these people actually, not that would be willing to sit down with us, but would they actually be willing to sit down and rehash some of this stuff? Because a lot of the stuff that we would want to hear or talk about is likely stuff they've told a million times. That's correct. That's yeah, correct. I, there's always the danger of, of dropping into that Chris Farley, 
Hey, hey yeah. you remember that time? You remember that time? Yeah, that was really great. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there is yeah. always that danger. That's right. Yeah. So exactly. you have to let the guest talk about what the guest wants to talk that's about. Exactly right. Right. That's exactly right. It's always polite. And, well, I mean, there's and, obviously going to be some questions. Yeah. And because that that's that's just common. Well, um, I'd like to think we three gentlemen, Renaissance men that we are, could have any of our guests here and have cogent and relevant and interesting questions mm-hmm. to bring forth. Yes, and we can also devolve into the you know gushing slobbering fanboy. Absolutely, I'm sure it would be the challenge coming into the dinner. Be ready with questions. This person hasn't answered before. Right. See, that is the key. And knowing and, and having it's only considerate. It is only considerate. Having good conversation that yeah that fills them up just as much as it fills exactly them. because one of the things that he is not uh, they are not whores for our consumption. They are right. gentle, wonderful individuals. Although someone them. would probably say we that they are just because they're honest. Yeah, you know, that's right. They sell themselves for money. Yeah, that's that's, that's you know you know that's very possible. Uh, so, but yeah, you know the the the, the whole idea is, thought about the the reasoning behind this, you know, and whether or not I uh, got to meet somebody that I would really like to meet, what would I want to say? Because I've observed in interactions at cons and what have you, how some creators react. Yes, you've been at probably more of those than than any of us. And one of the things I've noticed uh, is that, uh, so I'll go next. uh, Please. Yes, uh, because it's a segue. Yeah. um, Because it's really uh, appropriate for the story I'm going to tell. So one of the ones I would do is John Byrne, who is uh, you know famously known for Fantastic Four, the X Men, did a stint on Superman and just about and Wonder Woman, and a ton of different uh, creative properties over the years. Uh, he also is one that has uh, got a reputation for sometimes being difficult to work with mm-hmm. and being stubborn. Uh, he refuses to work for Marvel because Joe Caseda, who is no longer there even, uh, supposedly supposedly. Because I don't know the circumstances. It's one of those things where Byrne understood one thing. Reality was was different than what he understood. So who's truly at fault? Don't know. All I know is that he believes that he was lied to about why X-Men Hidden Years was canceled. Because it's supposedly low sales. But the sales were not low. So anyways, um, you know, he, he mainly does his own stuff now. Actually, he's not quite retired, but he had some recent eye surgery. So he's not even doing commissions or the uh, Elsewhere stuff anymore. Anyways... Byrne is one of those people that, because he had done so many cons and heard so many times the same questions over and over and over by those slobbering fanboys and fangirls, that you really, I, I got to see, you really have to know how to talk to him for him to engage yeah. you. Yeah. It's like one of the things he hates to hear is, I think you're the greatest artist ever. Because any artist worth his salt is going to automatically disagree because they have their own influences. Sure. Yeah. Who always, you know, you'll always think are greater than them. And so I started talking to him when I got a chance to talk about why I think he was one of the uh, the best creators working. I didn't say ever, I said working today. And he started to, and actually interrupted him, which is a, a risk right there. He said, no, 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 this is why. And I explained to him my reasoning. And he actually, lit, his face lit up a little. And we actually had a small conversation about because yeah. my thing was, he's a great storyteller. Yeah. And what, you know, both with the visuals and with the words. He's telling a story. He's not worried about making pretty pictures. Mm. You know, he's not doing the cheesecake shots. Although with She-Hulk, She-Hulk he did a but few that was parody. Him. He was kind of doing that as as part of the shtick. Um, and you know, he's one of those guys that is very opinionated. He doesn't do social media. 
Yeah. He has good, his own forum. For yeah. Well, he has his own forum because he doesn't want to work under anybody else's rules. And apparently, it's easy to get banned on his forum. <laughs> uh, you know, if you if you piss him off, or if you you know break one of the rules, it's like you're out. Uh, so no he's, soup for you. Yeah, no soup for you. Uh, so he's got a sometimes a very bad reputation, but you know, one it's his forum. Yeah, follow the rules. Uh, and I don't blame him for not being on social media. Well, we can steal a, a bit from Castle Anthrax and say, but we are nice. Yes, but we are nice. <laughs> And you know, we would be wonderful. The thing that I, for him, that I would like to have him talk about is not just you know I, none of that stupid. Where do you get your ideas? That that's just yeah. n- no creator wants to hear that because it's dumb. And because where you get your ideas are not where the fans are going to get their ideas for their book they're never going to write. You know. Yeah. Um, but have him talk about the experiences working on the various books that he's done. What and what else? What non comics question? Would you like to answer that you've never been asked? Here's you know? what I found. Okay, that's not what I asked. But uh, thanks, Siri. Uh, uh, thanks, Siri. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I'll have to read that later. Um, You're it, welcome. <laughs> and so it goes, ladies and gentlemen. So it goes. The perils of the personal assistant. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so anyways, but to ask him, you know, what would you like to talk about? What do you think is worth discussing? Those are the kind of things that I think would be interesting because... You know, if there's a biography or there's a large body of work, you know, they don't want to necessarily rehash all that same stuff over and over because it's probably been talked about already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do they like to do? Yeah. What's their fun thing? What's their favorite food? Uh, um, what's uh, what's their favorite point in history? If they could have dinner with anybody in history, who would it be? Right. You know, that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think this is the sort of thing that would be fascinating because, one, it lets them not rehash things that we could find if we Googled. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but anyways, he's one I like to talk to because I'd love it if he would talk about, you know, plans. Uh, we kind of know what was going to go on with, you know, X-Men. Not so much with Fantastic Four when he left that. Yeah. Um, you know, a few things, you know, who's your best friends in the industry, you know? Uh, yeah. Who, 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 are the, who are the great folks to work with and who are the schmucks? Yeah, he'd, prob- he'd probably tell you, too. <laughs> Not everybody would. Because we... we, we... You know, no one's recording anything. This is complete right. confidentiality. Well, I'm pretty sure he, when, you know, somebody asked, if you asked him who's, who are the greats, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, yeah. and Neil Adams. Sure, absolutely. And those should be on everyone's list. Yes. yes. But I think those are the three, and probably Kirby, Adams, and Ditko would be for him. Yeah. And although, you know, he'd probably throw in some others. And not necessarily mentioning Stan Lee. Right, uh, he might. But I was thinking artistic influences, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, but, and that's all fine. But, you know, it, it, he's one, even I'd like to have dinner with him, I'm not entirely sure it would go well. Because <laughs> he's kind of prickly, you know? Well, well, yeah, and I don't want to be a gushing fanboy with him, because that, that doesn't do well for me. And I'm not really sure that he would really... He, I'd probably say, well, if you want to know what I think about things, just look at my forum. That's right. You know, <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, you know uh, let, us, let us be the wonderful uh, hosts that we are and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and talk about whatever, who knows what. Maybe yeah. he'd want to know why we invited him. Yeah. Well, because I'm a gushing fanboy. Because <laughs> we're gushing fanboys. Yeah, because well, yeah, gushing fanboy. Yeah. Well, you know, we've we've paid attention. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, you years. know, Francis and I, we have the poster of, uh, of the episode or uh, issue two fifty two of the Fantastic Four. It's literally on our wall. That's right. It's literally right above my head as we sit here right now in John's yeah. game room. Uh, and, and you know, it's what four feet by six feet. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, huge. It's, uh, vinyl, beautiful. Oh, 
You're, you're actually sitting in the best spot because you can see it. Because I can I see it, yes. Uh, great inspiration for that. It's yes. still one of the best. And when I was still working on doing comic-related stuff, just stuff for my own, because at some point I gave up on actually being a cartoonist uh, and doing comics. But, I, you know, I modeled a lot of what I did after him and George Perez. Uh, yeah. Some stuff from Simonson, some stuff from Kirby, but you know those are the two that were actively working when yeah. I really got into it. And so you know that he is absolutely, from that sense, he's a great inspiration. And you know he's heard from probably thousands of people. You know, oh, your work has inspired me, and what have you. Blah blah blah. Yeah, that's right. Like, well, yeah. You know, I probably say, John, just you know, take it for granted. We love you. We love you. you know, that's why we're here. Have but a, you know. Beyond that, let's just, you know... What do you want to talk about? Let's just have a bourbon and cigar, as you said, Francis, and and just, you know, chill and and relax. Talk about whatever the hell, you know, talk about what you hate. I mean, I don't care if you want to talk about politics, I don't care if you want to talk about anything, you know, whatever. Uh, It's just, because, you know, we may or may not agree with it, as long as we can have a decent conversation. Absolutely. Well, we are conversationalists extraordinaire to go franche on us, because franche is cool sometimes. No, Sometimes. You silly king. No, it isn't. No, it's right. Never, no, never cool. Cheese oh, the is cool. monkeys. That's true, but the Louvre is cool. The Louvre is cool. Okay. I don't know. And I would like to go to the Palace of Versailles as well. You know, Paris cafes are pretty nice. Street cafes, you know, the food. Nothing else. You go to the Cafe Americana and, and sit there. Where Hemingway did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or I could stay here and just drink bourbon with you guys. Well, that is cheaper. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, that works. I'm just saying. You know, why is being in Paris any better than being in Fern Creek drinking a bourbon with well, my best? I, I did hear this that it is mandatory law in France that you cannot eat at your desk. I was reading something about this. You must take ninety minutes. Ninety minutes. Ninety minutes. Ninety minutes every day. How does anything get done? Go, that was the point. It said your your uh, the article. It's been in place for many many years, and it's become part of their culture. Is that that's just what well, we do. Well, it's a 35-hour work week, and what is it, like six weeks of vacation That's mandatory? correct. They, they, value, they say they value their workers' productivity and well-being, and that's just the way it is. And uh, Honestly, I look at my much? job, and honestly, I think we could get by in 35 hours. Now, granted, it's it would be a little bit tighter even than it is, because in the American business world, often you are staffed with just enough people to barely get the job done. That's right. Yeah. Because labor is your always your largest cost. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I can't get a hold of anybody now. So uh, these thirty-two hour work week talks are like, I'll never get anything done because I can't ever get an answer to anything. Yeah, yeah, I understand. But you know, hey, a ninety-minute lunch with wine. Hey, you know, I'm okay with that. You go to the restaurant every day. I mean, it gets a little pricey, but hey, you know, it'd be nice. Well, you uh, know why they have a ninety-minute mandatory lunch? Gives you enough time to go to the apartment and have sex with your mistress. Oh, I didn't your say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> your pita tear. Your pita uh, tear. No, it takes 90 minutes to get the smell of the cheese off of you so you can go back to the office with other people. Well, they all smell like cheese, too, so it doesn't matter. Oof. <sighs> He's not a Frenchman at heart. No. Not a Francophile at all. That's you right. Know. All right, so Which my turn. odd because the Scots always were very friendly with the French. Well, well that's because they both hated the English. Yeah, only to piss off the English. <laughs> the old alliance. So... Of course, the one that I blogged about and would have been my number one choice no longer qualifies. That's right. Uh, in PJ O'Rourke, uh, and I still miss PJ. I'm still saddened that uh, don't get to do that on my bucket list. Right. He never got to come on the show. No. 
So I had to come up with some new new people, and uh, I'm going to go different vein than you guys. Okay. I'm going to go writer, um, historian, of course. Okay. Candace Millard. Oh, okay. 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 Now she does uh, this. Uh, she has the uh, River of Doubt that I'm currently reading about Theodore Roosevelt and Kermit Roosevelt in the Amazon. Awesome book. Awesome book. Almost done with it. Uh, and I really liked her Destiny of the Republic about um, uh, James Garfield and the Garfield yeah. assassination. So I, one of my favorite new historians yeah. um, lives in Kansas uh, with her family. And uh, I just think it would be awesome to uh, ask her, what are you doing next? You know, what what's coming up next? What are you researching? And and hear what she's, she's researching. She's so... Awesomely thorough. Yeah. And I've mentioned this before, um, especially on blog posts, but one of the things I find fascinating about good biographies is, you know, the writer's not just giving you that portrait of the central uh-huh. personality, but it's giving you a portrait of those secondary personalities uh-huh. who fit, figure into the story. Um, so I, I would really like to hear about that process, you know. Yes, you're trying to come to grips with Theodore Roosevelt or James Garfield or Winston Churchill, but also, how do you come to grips with and find Kermit Roosevelt or Alexander Graham Bell or some of these other secondary characters in these stories? I think that I would, don't think I've ever heard somebody refer to Alexander Graham Bell as a secondary character. In he, he's, he figures into the Garfield assassination. Um, he is working on what essentially becomes the metal detector. Right. And Oh, to look for the bullet. To look for the bullet. You yeah. know, the, he, he attempts a couple of times, brings this device and attempts to look for the bullet. Um, you know, and, and, and Garfield, you know, in modern medicine, Garfield would have survived. Oh, absolutely. Or if he, they just left it alone. Left he it alone, survived. he probably would have survived. At least throughout his term, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but they went digging in his back uh, with ungloved, unsterilized hands. Even yeah. that late, that just astounds me. Yeah, and, and and basically that's really what killed him. Right. You know, uh, Gateau, uh, or, uh, yeah, Gateau got hung for it, but they could have hung the lead doctor as well, because um, he's just as guilty as, as Gateau. Right. Um, so it's... Manslaughter instead of murder, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's an astounding story, and she told it so great. Um, one of my new favorite historians and I would really love to to ask about that. Again, that creative process of how do you find these other people in these stories and bring them to life as effectively as the central character? Yeah, see, that's that's interesting because, you know, one of the things that, one of the reasons I picked the two that I did is because I love the work that they do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And, you know, like I said, with, Certainly with the, the two that we have discussed so far, Francis and I, mm-hmm. there's a ton of information online. Almost anything you would want to know about their creative process yeah. mm-hmm. is pretty much there. Right. So in many ways, and, and also even with my second one, uh, you know, so really, as much as I would like to hear them talk in person about their pursuit of the craft, honestly, I don't know if they would really want to <laughs> because they've probably talked about it 
to death. Yeah, and, I and guess, especially Burn, because again, I, I get the yeah, idea that he, he just he, he just doesn't have, have the time. For yeah, that. they have so many forums. Yeah, for and, that well, kind and of he's thing. been said so many times, he and, just, and he doesn't suffer that kind for, of adulation. Well. Yeah, I mean, he's been working for forty-five years. Yeah, since the early seventies. Yeah. Yeah. So fifty years. Fifty years. years. Yeah, almost uh, fifty years and, in and comics. Straczynski has been working thirty. Absolutely. You know. Oh, more than that. Well, you know, he he's really uh, he started working on He Man in the early eighties. So yeah, he's on so forty he, years. Yeah, he's yeah. he's running up on forty. Yeah. So you know, Millard has has not been around that long and doesn't have these same outlets because I don't right. you know there's no history cons unfortunately. Right. Right. Because we would go. Because you know. <laughs> What do you, I mean, because what do you ask a, a a writer? You know, what's your favorite keyboard for your computer? Yeah, you know, because I mean, people ask artists all the time. You know, well, what tools do you use? Yeah, and they're like, well, it doesn't matter what tools I use. Is what you often hear. Now I know what Burn uses because he, he says, all right, well, this is what I use, but this what is what works for me. Yeah. And in many ways, I imagine that she would answer the same kind of question, the question the same yeah. way. Well, this is what I do, but this is what works for me. Yeah. And I know Stephen King. My other one, is no secret, yeah. uh, is uh, he would probably answer something very similarly because uh, he, he has talked extensively about how he works, and you know his advice for authors is usually kind of funny because uh, he, he says authors should never keep a, a, a notebook. He said the notebook is the repository is the last refuge of untalented hacks or some some uh-huh. yeah. something like that. You know, because it's just not the way he works. Right. Like he he thinks yeah. that if I you know if I can't remember it, then it's not worth pursuing yeah uh but so so i'm kind of torn the more i think about those i'd like to have dinner with it's like well i'm not really sure that they really get anything out of the experience <laughs> yeah other than the adulation and, yeah you yeah. know but uh, if they're if they're if they don't but you know if that's, that's all it is you know, i mean it's, a, it's a, not like this will ever happen we'll get all these people in the room at the same time yeah. but um you know to sit down and have dinner even if it's just just a pleasant conversation i'd, I'd be fine with that but yeah because uh, I am fascinated by the process. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know, and even though they've there's all kinds of information about that from from these people on various sources, uh, you know, it's still just fast. I could listen to King talk about the, his writing process over and over because yeah. there's usually some new insight. As a matter of fact, um, he is great friends with George R. R. Martin, and there's yes. a video online of the two of them. And oh my God, he ribs Martin mercilessly yeah. uh, over how long it takes him to write. Because uh, you know Stephen King, he's con- he's churned stuff out absolutely uh, like clock. Because what are we at now? We're like twelve years. Yeah, I don't know, it's a couple of decades, the... something like that. No, Dance of Dragons came out in like oh nine. So yeah, yeah, you're about right. Yeah, well, it's so over a decade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I knew it was 10. ten years, and that was the last time we talked about it. Was yeah. ten years? Yeah, because I want to say his last one came out before they started the TV show. It was actually oh, yeah. no. It was slightly after, slightly after because I remember going out and buying it. Uh, okay. And I, it was it was like the second season, so it had been twelve. I think it was twelve, maybe thirteen. So you're talking about a decade. Yeah. That he's and and, it, and they were complaining at him how long it took that one to come out. Right, because he says he had wrote himself into a corner and didn't know how to get out of it. Yeah. And my thought was, well, then toss that out and start over. Yeah. Is what I would think, you know, or at least back up, because if. If you can't figure out a way to to end it from there or to take it from there, then you need to throw that out. Well, that, and that's the advice that they give folks on writing forms when you write yourself in a corner: back up, yeah. or, or the supposed uh, writer's block, which is non-existent. Most folks will say you're writing yourself in a corner. You back up and you delete until you figure out 
where you can go in a different direction. Right. Right. And, and, and if you know if you're in, if you insist that well this is the only place it can go, either you're truly not creative enough, yeah. or you're so in love with what you've written that you uh-huh. can't bear to murder your darlings. That's usually where that comes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Right. You, know, you have because to... that's the phrase in writing is murder your darlings. That's right. Is you, you can't be afraid to cut out that phrase, that word, that the chapter, chapter, you know, or whatever, or that a character, that any of that sort of stuff. Yeah. If it's flawed, you know, uh, do you remember the movie the, the Agony and the Ecstasy? If the wine is sour, throw it out. <clears throat> and it's the yep. same thing. When will it be done? When I'm finished. Yes. 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 When will you make it in, Bonarati? All right. So I think there's a good spot. Let's stop for bourbon for just a moment, uh, which of course all of our guests are welcome to. Well, we will make certain there is plenty. Of Actually, it. if they don't want bourbon, we might even provide <clears throat> something else for them. Well, of course, but you know, we start there. Yes. So uh, I again poured a quick glass of Henry McKenna. Just a little bit uh, of it. Um, good stuff, nice and smooth. Um, Robert, oh, I'm finishing off my uh, 1897 because uh, I've been very because we've been drinking all day <laughs> and I got to drive. Yes, yeah. yes. So I'm nursing my stuff. Yes, yeah, so uh, just a tiny taste is all. Yeah. Yes, you have like two minutes to home. Uh, yeah, know, at all back roads. Yeah, I got to get on the expressway. Yeah, oh, and, and Francis won't mind if I just crash on his couch here for half an hour. Or so not a problem. That's right. Sleep it yeah. off. That's right. Whatever it takes to get you there. Because 1897 bottle and bond is what I'm still work still working through. Uh, yeah. It's it's just good stuff. It is, you know, old Forester. I should say that old Forester. Yeah, 1897, yeah. good stuff. All right, excellent. All right, so uh, Francis, how about if you go again? I'm going to go again. Yeah. Yes, right. your second well, one. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to go off the reservation. Oh, okay. Sure. So he's not going to go where we think. No, I am not. I'm going to go somebody that I am utterly fascinated by the sheer talent, and I'll admit to this person, I I cannot speak in your language whatsoever, but I think you have got a great story to tell, and it's one of the greatest guitarists alive today. I think mm-hmm. we'll all agree with that, Jimmy Page. Yeah, interesting. Really, yes, our first musician. Yes, exactly. He is one of the very greatest guitar talents ever. I cannot possibly understand it. I I cannot replicate it. I'm not super into that. The technical end of music. That's right. It's just, but from a music, from an artist standpoint, we look at the, at the musical creative process. The and what is it? I could sit and talk with him if he would for hours about. How did you do that? Why did you do that? What brings you to that? I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to try to. The creative process for music is so different. Now, I can sort of understand, in a way, because being a visual artist, yes, uh, which is again so incredibly different from the written word, yes. But music is even less like. Do, you know the visual arts yeah. than the visual arts are to the written word, and yet we know when it's good. Yes. We know when it's pleasing. We know when it's artistic. We know when it's. Well, we know magical. when it's good to us because not everybody agrees on this stuff. Perhaps, but you know, well, we know what grabs us. us. Right. That's, what, that's uh, part of it, but you know, and a, and a great many others. Though yeah. I mean, Jimmy Page is you know in particular is is revered among many yes. others. So there's got to be something to that. Yeah, uh, right. my own in, inability to articulate. But if you listen to any of his music, especially uh, if you pay attention to the to the guitar chords that he's playing and how he does it and what he's doing, especially as as Led Zeppelin evolved, uh, and uh, so much of where that group went was his doing, musically yes. speaking. He's yes. the one that set those tones. He didn't write the lyrics. Sometimes he did, but most of the time not. 
But, you know, yeah, Plant was, I think, the primary, primary lyricist. That's correct. John Paul, John, and, 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 and of course, they, they they were lightning in the bottle. Those four men that were yeah. that were able to make to do this. But if you listen to Page, even now, how he, I mean, just some of those, you can go from the Immigrant Song, which is an enormously heavy guitar solo, and you can go to that beautiful, almost lyrical Stairway to Heaven that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. And you can yet look at something that Babe, I'm going to leave you. It's a great song. It's a ballad. Uh, Going to California is a ballad. And yet you can have Broyer Stomp that's totally different. And yet it's still the same guys. And still, we know it said, why did you do, what was it about all that stuff that spoke to you when you made it and why you made it? And don't tell me it was the drugs because I know better. (laughs) You'd be surprised. It's okay. Hey, if it's where it goes, it's where it goes. When I was in, when I was at Bellarmine studying art, uh, the, the guy was uh, the second, my second year, we had a different, or no, third year, we had a different painting instructor, Hugh Haney. Yeah. And he came on and he used to tell the story about a very famous trendy artist in New York City that his uh, agent would just buy him lots and lots of uh, Coke or whatever his drug of choice was. He'd get all high and coked up and do a, a, a whirlwind of pieces. Yeah. Then he had a bunch of assistants come in and, and polish. finish stuff up and polish, which to me that's cheating, but that's that's just me. And then this stuff would sell for just you know oodles and oodles of money, but he couldn't do it when he was sober. So yeah, but okay. again, you know, modern art. Apparently, the ROI was pretty was pretty good on that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's the only way it works, you know. Yeah, but you know that in a way that's abusing the creative by by get, you know getting them all coked up and and. Yeah. letting them do their thing makes me wonder you know how long did he actually have a career either before he because i don't know who the artist was if he even told us uh you know if he didn't die within a couple of years or you know they moved on to the next hot artist right yeah exactly yeah. to me the thing that uh, is amazing about musicians from the artistic craft point of view is that it's one of the few creative venues where you can totally improvise from the get-go. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do a painting improvised. I mean, you know, you might not know where you're going. You might, especially modern art, you can just throw anything on the canvas and people will call it art. But, I mean, you know, it, it's much more deliberate. Uh, yes. And most music is deliberate, don't get me wrong. But it doesn't have to be. Yeah. There's a, There can be a wild, untamed aspect to it uh, that can still produce some really incredible music. Yeah, and Paige was notorious for that because mm-hmm. he would he would riff for right. a long, long time at times. And some of it was very deliberate. It was very mechanical and very mathematical at times. And other times, it's just him being Jimmy Page. And he had that raw talent. And he, if you listen to his stuff, especially his solo works where it's just him, you can see, gosh, you know, this guy here is, is mm-hmm. galaxies beyond so many. And that's something, you know, with music, you can redo it. That's right. You know, we just discussed, you know, why would I go back and rewrite the same story yeah. or paint the same painting? But you can go back and play the same music and it's not always the same. Well, that's right. It's, it's unless you're data, it's never exactly the same. Well, that's, I mean, you can listen to Stairway to Heaven uh, from the album, which was just one particular iteration, and just watch their live performances. A live performances for most uh, musicians is nowhere near the same. Although the Furs, uh, the two times I've seen them in concert, uh, they sound just like their albums. <laughs> which is which, unusual. Yeah. Which is very unusual, but I love it because it lets me, I, I know what I'm going to get. 
Yeah. And it, I don't feel way, cheated. Yeah, it's a way of staying true to what the audience loves. Right. And I can tell, I mean, there are artistic and performance differences. Yeah. But they still sound like the furs from the original albums, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, sure. The police did when they came through uh, and did comments. Obviously, there were some differences because, you know, Sting couldn't quite hit some of those high notes that he used to be able to. But for the most part, you know, they had hit their stride when they came through Louisville and they sounded like the police, yeah. which was just awesome. Cool. Cool. All right, so that puts us at Straczynski and Jimmy Page. Yes, sir. And Stephen King. No, no, well, John Byrne. I'm really John Byrne. Yeah, because I didn't talk about King you, yet. Okay, you, you gave us a preview, so yeah. go ahead and talk about Stephen King. So, yeah, with King, uh, one of the reasons that, that, again, it's very fanboyish, I admit that, um, but I am just, I'm fascinated by the man and the evolution of the craft. Because for me, he's the one I look at and I think this, because I, yeah, I look at the earliest work that he did and, I, and I've read just about everything that he's ever written with the exception of a very small number of things. I probably count on one hand. Short stories in you know, Playboy and Esquire before he hit it big as a novelist yeah. aside. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've read just about everything he's ever done. And there is a definite progression in his craft where he gets better and better. And that's a phenomenal thing. Most authors aren't as long-lived as he is, as far as in terms yeah. of career. And they don't get as regular a publishing schedule. Although, nowadays, with self-publishing, you can get some of that. But those guys aren't Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. they're not selling those um, amounts of money. Oh, some of, them, some of them are. Yeah. So there's, you know, I know you poo-poo self-published authors all the time, but there are some really good ones. Sure, there's some stinkers, but you know, I've paid money for books, published books, that suck. Yeah. So... Just because something is published by a regular publisher does not necessarily no, make I'm it good. Not necessarily saying that. I'm just saying that um, there's a there's a way to large paychecks through the regular publishing. Well, but again, you know, it's a very small percentage, and probably that same percentage is making the large paychecks on Amazon. Yeah. So I, you know, I would doubt that there's really much difference, except that you get a much more to choose from. But anyways, um, just watching the evolution of that craft. Uh, and I, I like listening to him talk about that mm-hmm. uh, when he uh, does. And, you know, he's he's in a band, uh, mm-hmm. him and uh, a bunch of other people, and you know, they actually do gigs. They, you know, they don't, you know, like, sell out uh, yeah, Wimbledon or anything, yeah. but, you know, they, they, they do gigs uh, on the regular. And, you know, it's just fascinating to me uh, just to hear him talk about uh, some of the things, like, one of the times I did hear him talk about how he comes up with his ideas. You know, he doesn't search for ideas. You know, things will come to him. And then often be things like, well, I wonder what would happen if X happened to Y. And that's often the, the germ of his ideas. And sometimes that's all it takes. And sometimes that's all it takes. Just one idea. You know, he's, he's the, the epitome of the notorious pantser. Uh, meaning he does not plot every scene and chapter out ahead of time. He has no idea exactly where it's going. He lets the characters uh, define that. And yet he still somehow manages to, to come up with just incredible stories every time. There are very few stinkers that he has written. Uh, you know, And there are times, some books you, you look at and you read, yeah, nobody edits him because he's Stephen King. And it's rarely editing because it's bad writing. It's mostly editing because, yeah, this is really good, but yeah, we probably could have left this out. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. there's stuff um, that could be left out here. Yeah, I, and you know, sometimes the stories take uh, a long time to get to the end because again, they all contribute, 
But, you know, yeah. It's just like any anybody who becomes a famous author, they don't get edited for length after a certain point in time. Because publishers don't care. As far as the cost per book, doesn't matter that much. And people say, are going to buy the hell out of them. Because yeah. of that name. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So indulge the author. And, you know, you can charge more for a bigger book. So, you know, it's it's a bonus for the, right, yeah. the publisher. Twenty eight to thirty two, right? If if J.K. Rowling stu- stu- uh, stuffs an extra two hundred pages into That's this okay. one, it's an extra four dollars a book. Yeah, we'll charge four dollars more. Of which she probably gets a quarter. You know, yeah. I mean that's it's the way the the royalties work, unfortunately. But um, I'd like for him to talk about the craft and how he's progressed. I don't know that he would want to. Yeah, um, but. Again, I would like to leave it to him, to them because you know he, he he gives the same advice: writers write uh-huh. and writers read, and not necessarily in that order. Uh, I mean, you should probably read a lot first before you write a lot, right? Um, and you know, be willing to. He's got certain maxims. You know, cut at least ten percent out of the first draft when you when you go back through it. Uh, things like that, and I think, oh my God, how big was the stand before you cut out that first ten percent? Yeah, because uh, that's probably the biggest one he's ever written. Um, but I'd like to listen to him, if he would, talk about that stuff. Um, also, but, you know, what's the... I go back to you. What's the question you've always been wanted, always wanted to answer that nobody's ever asked? Because yeah. um, to me, I think that tells more about them than anything that, that we could possibly come up with. Yeah. So I'm noticing two trends here, generally, uh, in these. One... Except for Candace Millard, the people we're bringing up have between like a 35 to 45 year career in what yeah. they do. Because mm-hmm. uh, King's been writing, he's been published since a, 73 or 4. 73 right. or Carey 4. was his first one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean. Well, he had actually been published in magazines uh, for right, several years yeah. prior to that. So, I mean, yeah, because uh, Carrie. Uh, Christine, or what is it called? Uh, uh, Christine is one of them, but that's later. That, that's uh, but that's still seventies. Uh, late seventies, yeah. yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. It might be into the eighties, but it'd be very so. early. Uh, the movie was definitely in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, um, it's an eighties movie, so I was thinking it's a seventies. Uh, I think um, Salem's Lot might have been the second one. I'd have to go back. Yeah, and look. oh yeah, it was. So it was one of his very very early ones. Yeah. Uh, Salem's Lot was the first one I read. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So, so that's one trend. People with lengthy careers. Second trend seems to be people who generally work fairly solitary. Page is... He's working with three band members, a producer, a recording engineer, you know. But it's still a relatively small group of people. There's probably a portion that does take place by himself. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. he's still the uh, lead but, guitar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, whether well, I'm thinking you know in the the writing because like you know Sting, uh, wife watched a, a, a documentary on him years ago, and he's got this nice little uh, I wouldn't even call it a cabin, it's just a, like a little hut out in the woods on his estate. Yeah, <laughs> it's a true estate in England, yeah. and he goes out there with nothing but uh, at the time it was a Walkman, now it would be I'm sure his phone and whatever he has on it, and paper and pencil. And works out there. I mean, he might have a guitar out there, might not. Uh, so you know, sometimes they will have, but then he still got to go do it with produce it yeah, with other yeah, people. Yeah, you're still going to work with with other musicians, but still, it's a relatively small. So I just find that part interesting. That you know, Straczynski basically. 
until he's got something done yeah. and begins working with producer, director, actors. You know, it's it's fairly solitary work. Sure, yeah, that's what that's what he wants. He's, a, he's yeah. an extreme introvert. He'll say that, and yeah. he, he's he, he his best time is behind the computer writing. Yeah. So I think we need to change direction. I want to do somebody different. I'm no, going to take ahead. take a cue from last episode, and I would like to invite Kelsey Grammer to dinner. Oh, what nice. a great idea! Yes, indeed. And just and I wouldn't even ask him anything other than, hey, just talk about what you want to talk, and let him tell stories that's, about that's, Frasier or the films that he's been in. Or whatever he wants to do. Because yeah. he's done other things besides that, too. Right. And just let him run with it. Yeah, you know, yeah, it'd be fun to, to you know ask all the standard stuff. You know, who's your favorite uh, actor to work with or yeah. actress? Who'd you hate working with? Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite project? All that kind of, But, yeah. you know, again, we could probably find that yeah. stuff online. So, he's, you know, he's a long career. But I think in acting, you're working with a much broader... You know, you're working in this... Your performance is your own, so you're, you know, you're working by yourself with no net in that sense. But there's always co-stars and right, unless you're a one-man show, there's always you know producers and and director and all these people all the that are people. involved. In, yes, mm-hmm. and the tech people and makeup and all this that contributes to the success of a of a well, television show. Even with the show. writers, you know, there's there's still that. It's just after a large chunk of the work has already been done because there's editors. Yeah. There's the publishers. There's the publicists. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then if we're talking in comics, there's working with the the artists and and the editors there and so on. So nobody creates on their own, with, with the actual exception of people who actually do self publish online. Yeah. And you know, a number of those, even the ones that I like a lot, I still see where oh yeah, you could have done differently here and been better. Yeah. But still enjoyed the story. So. No, no man is an island, as yeah. they say. But uh, I think Kelsey Grammer, it, for him, it would be almost like holding court, don't you think? Hey, I'm, I'm, we're happy you know to be four I mean? years. Yeah, yeah uh, we're happy to sit. We've got our, our glass of wine and just let him let him run, mm-hmm. uh, and and just admire, you know, admire the tiger in the in the in, or admire the thoroughbred as he runs, kind of thing. Yes, you know? yeah, I, I can see that would be a wonderful evening. So. Yeah. Well, I presume, you know, I wonder how much does his character of Frasier influence how we think that would go? Because, <laughs> I mean, are we saying we'd really like to have dinner with Kelsey Grammer or Frasier? Or Frasier. No, no, no. I, I'll say Kelsey Grammer. I will say, because I do think he is an interesting person outside of the characters that he's Very played. much so, yes. Exactly. He's, yeah, I mean, because he's done stuff and been right, involved right, right. in things. He's had a public... Uh, he's a public figure outside of that too. Yes. Yeah, he's had his ups and downs too. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's had some struggles uh, in in his life that I think it'd be interesting to hear him talk about. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, his his grow his family of origin and, and uh, growing up period were awful. Uh, his sister died and uh, his father yeah. and uh, there's lots. Well, he, of... He's had some relationship issues as well. He has, yes. Yes. Uh, he had his drug issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then he had his political problems. Yep. Because uh, he came out on the wrong side of issues. And by that, we mean the non-liberal side. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing he gets work. Well, he's he's past that apex, I think, where his name commands attention. Well, yes, that's true. And, of course, he has to fit for that that work as well, you know. Yeah, at his age, it's not like he's going to play the, the love interest of Shelley Long uh, again. Because yeah. that would just be creepy now. That's creepy now. And he, and he's not getting you know parts, 
You're not going to play the dad in in a Disney Freaky Friday type story. Uh, actually, he, he did. He's going to be the uh, granddad. Well, now, now. he's not. He, yeah. he uh, recently last year he played the divorced dad in one of those Hallmark movies on Netflix. One of those Netflix holiday movies. Okay. Well, that's different than a Disney dad. Well, it's 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 very you know, trading places type uh, Freaky Friday sort of right. story. Uh, it. it you know, a little too advanced for that. He'd have to play the granddad or something. Right. Um, right. But it, it would be a great little, you know, guest starring spot that he'd bring a ton of energy to. So that's our six people. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting table. All creatives in one way or another. Yes. That's yes, correct. That's, that's true. Where we, where we that's live. True. That's One right. historian and a couple of comic book guys and a musician and an actor and a writer and a novelist. Yeah. Well, and multiple musicians, because Stephen King is a yeah. musician as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and Straczynski's in, you know. Well, and King has worked in comics. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we've run the gamut of, of just what all... Well, I think we don't, well, no, we do have, we have a comic artist, but we, you know, that's the only art that, that yeah. uh, yeah. Barney yeah. does. Not a painter or a sculptor, I suppose. Right, but, right. Uh, well, there's always next time we do right. this. Well, you know, if we could have really picked anybody, I probably would have picked Michelangelo. But yeah, he's, yeah. But he's yeah. been gone for a little while. Yeah, yeah, Hemingway was just kind a, of my, just a minute. Kind yeah. of my thought yeah. too. Yeah. Is that I'd love yeah. to talk it, with It's Papa. very fertile if you go broader, but I, I thought it'd be fun to put a rule on it, put a restriction on it, and see where we could take. Yeah, it. yeah. So that was a fun hoop jube, guys. Very interesting, and a neat little window for the listener. I think. I don't think any of it was a surprise. Though. Not a surprise, probably. No. no. Not if you've been listening. But uh, well, maybe Jimmy Page a little bit. I don't, I don't know. know. I, that I was, don't know. If you've listened to the music episodes, yeah. I don't think that's a surprise. Yeah, but well, he may not have been mentioned by name before, but I could see it. Yeah, I mean, I think we. Yeah, I mean, the admiration for him, but as as somebody to have a conversation with, we, that might have been a little bit of the most left field one that we that we did there. We do our best to be unpredictable at times. That's, that was like excellent, excellent, excellent. So I think we'll wrap up there. That's a an under an hour hoopa jube. We did pretty good right there. Yeah, so, but still. Still pretty good, yeah. 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 So, um, Francis Mamayan, what is next time? Back to history. We're going to wrap up our mini-series on treaties next time. The Kellogg-Briand Pact. This is post-World War One, Yep. And how everything, so much of what we know, I say this a lot, but it is very true, uh, so much of what we know starts in certain root locations. Yes. This is one of those. I think, Martin, you're going to captain this one yes. here. Yeah, that's mine. Yeah, it's it's one it's, of my things. It's, it's going to be really fun. Something we don't know well, I don't think, yeah. but we will by the time you finish listening to the next episode. Something. And it has nothing to do with cereal. Not a that's, thing. that's true, but you know, hey, if we want to get a bowl of cereals and eat it while we do it, I'm okay with that. Almond milk. Let's have some almond milk with our cereal. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.